morning. I want to ex- extend my welcome as well um, to Karenport Community Church. It is a, a beautiful morning out there. It's great to come together to see the sunshine come in. Last night as we were setting up chairs, just the sun is just coming in beautifully and it just, it's just nice to have nice weather, isn't it? It's, it's wonderful. It just raise spirits and walking around even in the evenings this past week, people already having campfires outside. Junior youth, I was able to go to the Fawcett's house where we had a campfire and it was just great to be outside and, and uh, yeah, just praise the Lord that the weather is just gorgeous right now. Well, we are continuing our our sermon series on the King's Speech, the Sermon on the Mount. And so far we have uh, come through a few, a few verses here and we are coming to the point now where Jesus is beginning to talk about what does, this, what does this really all mean to live as followers of Jesus in this world? You know, the sermon's all about what Jesus wants for us as his followers, how we should be living as citizens of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So I have a question before we begin here into the word. Do you believe the word of God is true? Amen? Amen? Do you believe the word of Jesus the words of Jesus are something we should follow. Amen. Well, we'll keep, keep that in mind because this portion of the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus is going to say some pretty crazy stuff. This has been uh, a sermon as I've been preparing that Jesus has definitely been working in my heart as we're going to talk about the topic of anger. So remember you said that, that Jesus' words are true because he's going to take us on a ride today that some of us might not enjoy hearing because of what he has to say, but we need to hear it as the body of Christ. So we're going to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 21 to 26, if you want to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Matthew 5, 21 to 26, this is Jesus' words. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way. Or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth. You will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's pray. Lord, we come to your word this morning to challenging words for us. Words, Lord, that that we may not even know how to handle and how to figure out how it applies to our lives. Words that seem like this this is impossible, but God, these these are your words. And so we come to them this morning, and I pray, Lord, that our focus would be fully on you and, and our hearts would be open to what you are speaking to us today. That these words would not just be floating into the air, and we would observe them and then walk away from this place and forget them. That as we've already heard this morning, that we would remember them and put them into action in our lives. So Lord, we thank you that your spirit is moving in this place this morning. And we pray that we hear your words, Lord, 
and that we do apply them to our lives. So thank you for this time, the gift that we have in looking at your word. I pray that you speak through me this morning, Lord, that my words would be your words to the congregation today, and for all of us, we would be open to what you have for us today through it. So thank you for this time we have, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus, as we've already covered going through the past sermons in the series, Jesus is teaching his disciples and the teachers of the law, Sermon on the Mount, people who probably thought that they were pretty righteous, certainly not murderers. So, so Jesus' first point, as we're going to walk through this passage today, it says, you have heard it, you've heard that it was said long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. If you want to picture the scene as he's teaching them, you can imagine them just nodding their heads like, yeah, amen. Murder, judgment, we're with it, right? So Jesus' first point would have been fully agreed upon. But then Jesus hits them with this phrase, which he uses throughout the Sermon on the Mount, what I've titled the sermon today. But I say to you, and they're probably thinking, uh-oh, what, what, what do you say Because that's pretty clear. Murder means judgment. But he says, but I say to you. And so last time that we uh, were preaching in this this series, Pastor Blaine a couple weeks ago was talking about how Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. So what he's doing now as we continue into the coming weeks, he is making it clear what the law actually means. He's saying, well, you've heard it said that murder leads to judgment. Well, I'm telling you that actually just having anger in your heart and your mind is murder. And this would have totally shook them up. And this is what, as I've shared with you, has kind of been shaking me up. And we're going to look at that today. What does does that mean? And as I've been reflecting on my own life as I've been preparing this sermon, I thought back to my past and this is me many years ago, a younger, uh, younger Andrew there, not looking quite like uh, Pastor Andrew. But as you know, I think as most of us know here, that, that I'm a rapper and that I'm a Christian rapper. And I use my rap for God, for ministry, to share his word about life. This was a season in my life where I was a battle rapper. Now, if you don't know what that is, I'll just make it really clear to you. Battle rap is pretty much one rapper against another rapper, as you see there. And it's pretty much a glorified insult competition. Who can use their words to beat the other person down? Okay? I was very good at this because I can freestyle off the top of my head. And so a lot of these guys didn't have quite the level of freestyle I had. So I was very good at it. Now, I would keep my raps clean. Okay? So I wouldn't swear. I wouldn't say terrible, terrible things. But I was still battling this other person. So this was in Saskatoon in the Saskatchewan finals years ago. The same, same venue I shared last time I went to a concert at. This was the same place. So as I look back on this, you can see like I'm in this guy's face. In, in rap battles, there are no rules. Nowadays, uh, this was a freestyle battle, so it was off the top of your head. Nowadays, it's all pre-written. So if I was battling Tim, I'll use this example, Tim. If I was battling Tim, I would have about a month or so to research Tim. And I could go on his Facebook, and I could find out all about him, and I could talk to his friends, and do whatever I want, and then write my rap and recite it. 
And I mean there's no rules. You could talk about dead relatives. You could talk about their mama. You could talk about their clothes. You could talk about their wife. Anything. It's just verbal battle. And so this is what I was caught up in. And so I was thinking back to this time that although I was using rap and I was staying clean, I was still angry. Because you never know what that person's going to say. And I remember battling some guys, and my wife Sue would be there, and they would use Sue in the battle, or they would use, uh, they would use it, I'm a Christian, all the time. And so it became hard, and I remember feeling angry. And so this is a picture from my past that I thank God that, that I don't battle anymore, and that's one of the reasons. Because to be a witness of Jesus, how can I be battling someone and making fun of them in some way, good or clean or not, and then say, hey, after, after, after we're sitting around talking, tell them about Jesus, that just like, that doesn't work. And there are Christians who are trying to infiltrate the battle world, and they need prayer because it's quite the world, but it's something that I have chosen not to be a part of because anger is involved in it and, and thinking negatively is involved in it. So I've decided to use my rap in a different way. And as I've been thinking about anger, looking at this passage, I have thought about being a parent. I know there's quite a few parents here. And it is hard to be a parent at times. Kids can frustrate you, and you could blow up. And not only that, but we have to teach our kids about anger. And that's something that I'm finding challenging. But to all your parents out there, it's very, very important. Because Jesus is talking about the importance of anger. So lately, Hannah, who's three, he has no Hannah, she's been saying a phrase as we've been talking to her about anger, that whenever she gets upset, she says, Daddy, I'm angry. Okay? I'm glad that she's telling me she's angry. She's learning her emotions. Anger is an emotion we've been given. We need to remember that. Jesus, God created us, right? He created our emotions. Anger is from him. Anger is not from the devil. Anger has been put in us for, for a reason, for a purpose, which we're going to look further into. So Hannah says, Daddy, I'm angry. And so what I've decided to try to do is sit down with her and say, Okay, Hannah, I understand you're angry, but what are you going to do about it? Are you going to keep yelling at me? Are you going to hit me? Or are we going to talk this through and try to figure this out? And this is the challenge of us as parents that we have. Teaching our kids how to deal with it. So what makes you angry? Shout something out. I want to get some interaction here. What makes you angry? One thing. Yeah? Nobody wants to share. Bad traffic. Right. Exactly. Bad traffic, road rage. You see it in the States. You see it in Canada. But, and why? why? Why does bad traffic make us upset? I've thought about this because we're on our way and we're trying to get somewhere faster than we probably should even be going most times. And someone gets in our way or cuts us off. And we have the choice with our hands to wave at that person or to do something else with our fingers. We have that choice right there. And so road rage, absolutely. What else makes us angry? What's that? Miscommunication with people, absolutely. In marriages, in relationships, if you're not understanding something, that boils up anger. One more thing, what else makes you angry? Come on. We're not going to move on until we go. 
Right. When someone says something about you that's not true, and you find out and you feel betrayed and then angry. Absolutely. These are just a few things. Even little things. Who gets angry? I, I used to be in the, in the telemarketing world. I used to be a person who would call you up. I'm sorry. But I work for, I work for Weed Man. And I'll call you up and say, hey, we have some uh, people in your area. Can we come do a lawn estimate? I would work long hours calling people up about this. But I worked my way up to be a supervisor. And so therefore, I was in charge of call quality. So I worked at a call center where you could get a call to be talking about medication or then selling a DVD or talking about uh, legal things. You never knew what was going to come in call by call. It was a big call center in Regina. And so I was a supervisor. So whenever someone got upset with one of our operators, when they said, I want to talk to your supervisor, that was me. So I had to get on the old headset and say, hey, how, how can I help you out today? You, you sent this to me, and this was late, and this wasn't here, and da-da-da. And just, okay, okay. Calm down. And so I've learned to, to deal with angry people. I've sold shoes. I've sold phones. I've worked in a theater. I know what it's like to have people angry with me. And trust me, I'm not always peaceful. There has been times where I told a person, you need to leave the store right now because you're being abusive. And I was angry. So how does our anger come out? When we drive, I have that down. It comes out in our family. Anger comes out in our family, those who are closest to us. If you're working a job and then you come home and you're angry about a coworker, and you haven't dealt with that, that's going to spill over into your wife and your kids. It comes out in sports, let's be honest. Whatever sport it is, we could say hockey and fighting and that's one thing, we won't get into that. But... It comes out in sports sometimes. You know, people think, last time when I preached, I talked about Canada is known as such a nice people and polite people. I talked to someone in this community this week that said, you know what? I think Canadians are very angry people. We just don't show it. We just don't show it. But when you're on the ice or the field, you might see it. So this guy, it's the Incredible Hulk, if you don't know who he is, from Marvel Comics. I just saw the new Avengers this week. That's, a, that's another discussion. Wild ride. But Incredible Hulk, he is, he's, this is what he turns into, but the guy who, before he's the Hulk, his name is Bruce Banner. And he's just like a scientist, nerdy guy. But when he gets angry, rips off his shirt and turns into this guy. That looks pretty good on the screen, actually. Like, that's, he is, he is the Incredible Hulk. And he says, Hulk smash, and he destroys things. His anger takes control of him. I love watching the Marvel movies. I love the superhero stuff. And, and in one of the first, um, the first Avengers, there's a scene at the end where there's a final battle, if you've seen it. And Hulk, Bruce Banner isn't Hulk yet. And Captain America goes up to him and be like, dude, you got to like turn into the Hulk. We got to take on these aliens that are coming. They're fighting. You got to turn into the Hulk. And so this is what Bruce Banner says to him. He's like, but that's my secret. I'm, I'm always angry. He's telling him, get angry, get angry. He's like, my secret is, I'm always angry. Us as, as humans, as fallen people, we need to recognize that we have anger within us. And if we say we don't, then we're deceiving ourselves. And there's bigger issues there. See, this issue of anger is very important because it affects our marriages, our friendships, our work relations, our witness for Christ. And as Jesus says today, our very relationship and worship of him. And this is what really struck me as I was reading this passage and studying it. So let's just break this down verse by verse here. Verse 21, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. 
So you've heard, but I say to you, refers to the Ten Commandments. Also to the scribal law of the teachers. Christ is giving the real meaning of certain laws, just what God originally intended the law to say. So you know the law, he's telling them. You've heard it. But here's actually what the real meaning is. See, Jesus did not say that anger leads to murder. He says that anger is murder. And this is what's crazy. You're probably like, what? So if you got angry with your husband or your wife this morning or kids, are you telling me that that's like murder? Yeah. I can only tell you what's in, the, what's in the book here. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that it's like murder. He's not saying it leads to murder. He's saying anger is murder. When it comes to the final judgment, there will be murderers before the Lord's judgment and people right alongside them who are angry and he's putting them on the same level. This is what I'm saying is crazy and what should make us think, whoa, uh-oh, <laughs> this isn't good. Verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. This language comes up about judgment and the council and legal things. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. The term here was raka. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Some of my slides got mixed up here this morning. Speaking of anger, this morning all of a sudden some of my notes were gone. And let me tell you, I was getting a little angry. Who gets angry at technology sometimes, right? But raka, I might have to jump around here a second. There it is, there it is. Oh, we're jumping ahead. We'll get to that. Raka means empty-headed or foolish one. It's an Aramaic term. It was a term that they would use against each other in a bad way. Oh, Raka, that guy. He's foolish. He's empty-headed. And as you already saw, we jumped here. If you want to put it in our own terms, a contemporary term, there's Lucy Van Pelt talking to Charlie Brown. You blockhead. You could say that's what Raka is saying. Poor Charlie Brown's probably in counseling somewhere from all the abuse he took. But that, that's what it's saying. How many times do we look at the news? I don't think I even need to say any names of any politicians or whoever. And we say, that guy is an idiot. That guy's a fool for what he's doing. Jesus is saying, be careful what you're saying. You may be liable to judgment. You may be liable to the hell of fire. There's a place outside Jerusalem called Gehenna, which was just like pretty much what I could see was like a fiery dump where all the garbage was put. And that's kind of what he's given that picture of to them because they would have known that. That's what you're liable to be in if you call someone Raka. It's something we need to think about, but our words. And when I think about our world and in the time of Jesus, obviously they didn't have social media. But when we think about anger, this is one way that our culture, maybe even us, get out our anger. People are pretty brave behind a keyboard at home in their basement. Stir up dissension. Get angry at something at work and go home and type about a boss. People are losing jobs because now employers are looking at social media. I know when I hired people as a manager, we'd look at their resume and then I would try to find them on Facebook. You want to know what someone really is like? Look at their Facebook if you're in social media world or their Instagram. The challenge I have for you is then, whatever you type on Facebook or Twitter about someone, would you say it to their face? 
Would you say it to their face? And if not, then don't type it. Share it to the world. This is serious stuff that the Lord is talking about. Putting anger on the same level as murder. What, what, do, we, what do we do then? See, Christ, Sermon on the Mount is, is talking about a change of heart, our whole lives. He wants a thorough recreation. He commands us to love, and, and anger builds a wall between you and Jesus. So go back to this slide here. Oh, now we're going all over the place. This. Sorry about that. The other day, last week or so, or two weeks ago, driving into Moose Jaw, we have a Honda Odyssey van that's almost on its way out, unfortunately. Vehicles make us angry sometimes. And, and what happens is this comes on. Who's ever had this come on when you're driving, on a trip or wherever? Check engine. You have choice when check engine comes on. You could... Um, you could overreact. You could stop, pull to the side of the road and be like, well, this thing's a piece of junk. We're out. Walk away. <laughs> or you could say, okay, I should probably take this into Jay at OK Tire or wherever and get it looked at and assess it. See, it's a warning system that's been built into vehicles. Something's wrong. You need to check it out. Anger's like that. It's a warning system that God's placed inside of us. He created us in our emotions, so it has a purpose, I already said. And the purpose is not to blow up. Anger, I've heard from another pastor, you can do things with it. You can clam up. You can hold everything inside, push it down deep and clam up. You can blow up. Or you can grow up and deal with that. And that takes work. It takes time and it takes money to go get your vehicle checked out, but it's worth it instead of your van blowing up on the highway. Because you didn't check it out. And whatever that anger is, it's going to come out in some way. What would Jesus do with anger? Grab a whip and clean house. This is obviously when Jesus cleared the temple. So I was thinking about anger. Okay, Jesus telling us not to get angry. Jesus made a whip. He didn't just grab a whip. He sat, he sat down and picked up things and sat there. I'm making this whip, putting it together. That was what Jesus did. And then he went in and cleared out the tables. Like, what? Here's the difference between anger. See, Jesus does not say don't get angry. He, he's saying that there are times where anger is righteous. So the, this past week on Tuesday, Pastor Josh and I, Pastor Blaine, we went into Regina for a World Vision just morning conference. And there's a pastor there. Um, his name's Keith. I'm not sure his last name. But he was from Texas. He was a pastor from Texas. And he was talking about poverty and all sorts of issues. But he talked about this interesting thing that they face as a church in their community in Texas. And what it was is they, in their community, there was payday loan places all over the place. You guys know what these, we have them around here, where you can go get a payday loan. And they realized that payday loans were destroying the people in their church destroying marriages, where you would go in and you would get a little bit of money, but then they'd have extra fees. Oh, and if you didn't pay it, there'd be another fee. And then there'd be interest. And soon you were asking for, say, $1,000, and you owe them $4,000. It's terrible things, and it was destroying the church. And as a church, they said, we need to do something about this. So they went to a council meeting, 
He called up the mayor ahead of time and said, hey, what's going on here with this meeting? And the guy kind of lied to him, said, oh, you don't really need to come to it. And was kind of just, you could tell he was being dishonest. So he showed up with a bunch of people from the church, like 70 people, I think, to this meeting. And they each had a chance to share their stories. And before you knew it, all the council people were on the side of voting against regulations. And then the mayor said, okay, we're on board for this. And then he ran into the mayor a few weeks later at a restaurant. He said, oh, I want to talk to you about that what happened. And he thought, oh, okay, well, he's going to back down now. He said, you know what? It's not enough that we do it in our, in our city level. We need to take this to the state level. And then they realized that these places packed up and closed in their city, and they moved to all the cities around them. So it was the same problem. So you know what they did? They went to those cities, and they taught the churches how to stand up against this. And before you know it, there's about four little areas around them, four cities that all the payday loan places were shut down. That is an example of they're angry, but it's a righteous anger and they did something about it. See, whenever it's something, when anger's right, is when God's honor's at stake or there's someone else's being misused or abused. So Jesus cleared the temple because it was dishonoring his father. That is, that's okay anger. Pretty crazy what he did, but he showed how angry he was, and it was justified anger. Now, I know there's things you can probably say, well, getting mad at this politician is justified anger. Well, you need to just look and, look and seek the Lord on what is justified and what is not. But the misuse of people, the misuse of the church, you know, these things with the summer jobs, that's something I think we can, we can get a little angry about, because that is attacking us as Christians. But we need to be careful and make sure that it's justified anger. Verses 23 to 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. This is one of the most crazy parts of this passage. When I think about this, what does this mean? What he's saying is, before you come worship me, if you have something against a brother or sister, you need to go before you do that. So I know most pastors probably won't say, leave the church and go. That's what he's saying. Because anger builds a wall between us and God. So we come to worship the Lord here. It's wonderful. But if you have someone on your mind or someone this week that you have had an angry explosion with or from the past, he's saying you need to deal with that. You need to go and then come. So I'm not saying this lightly. Honestly, I will tell you right now, if you need to pretend you're going to the washroom or something, if there's someone on your mind you need to deal with or call, I'm not kidding, then before you continue to worship, you need to deal with that. And if we have an empty church, then the Lord's working. Because that's what he's saying. And this is what I've been, how do we deal with this? We, we all deal with anger all the time. So our worship can't even come when there is walls built up because of anger. And so the question I have for you today is, who are you angry with? And you can sit there and pray like, I'm not an angry person. I want to tell you something. In this community, in these halls, and these streets, we put on pretty nice faces. But what's going on behind the closed doors of your home? 
What's going on when you're spending time with your kids or your husband or your wife? Are you that same person who's walking these halls and streets? Or are you constantly fighting and have anger deep in your heart? So that's something that needs to be dealt with because it's serious. It's just like murder. And he gives us the answer. The answer to anger is reconciliation. You know, I I was part of, some of you know, but I've accepted a job at Briarcrest now part-time as the indigenous coordinator. And I was able to be part of uh, Adam Eskakowak, the national gathering a few weeks ago in Moose Jaw. And I was part of a gathering, some of you were there, I believe, that was about faith relations between First Nations, indigenous people, and non-indigenous people. So we had people from our seminary, we had people who were pastors in Moose Jaw, and we had people who had nothing to do with Christianity at all, sit around tables, have open mics, and discuss faith and reconciliation. And I was the person who was handing mics to people talking. And it was hard to hear some of these people's words who said, we don't need the church. The church has done nothing but hurt us. Get the churches out of our communities. We need to deal with this on our own. And I could just see the fellow followers of Christ in the room, just heavy heart. And what does reconciliation mean? Because when it comes to First Nation issues, there's a lot of anger on both sides. There's been abuse. There's been deep pain. There's been children literally taken from their homes. That is something that we should have justified anger against. But there's times where we just we need to just come together and, and, and peacefully talk. And I'm glad these conversations were taking place, but some of it was hard to hear. No. We cannot worship him with grudges unsettled. That's quite the word. Verse 25 to 26 says, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you'll never get out until you paid the last penny. So in this time, when it came to dealing with justice, the way it would work is if you had someone who owed you money, then you would find them, bounty hunter style almost, I guess, and grab them, and you would take them to court. You would drag them. You'd be taken to court. So he's talking in their terms. If someone is taking you to court, maybe by your collar or maybe around, I don't know, but taking you to court, deal with that on the way. Lest you then get to court and then you be judged and put in prison. What this is saying is Jesus says, reconciliation, don't put it off. Deal with it now. So if there is anger in your heart against someone today, deal with it today lest you be thrown into jail or to the judge. Settle on the way. What this is saying is unresolved anger is costly. It hurts us. It's like holding on to fire. If I'm holding on to fire, I'm the one getting burned. We need to deal with it. Here's Yoda from Star Wars. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. See, this quote obviously is not scripture verse, but it shows that anger is the door that leads to suffering. See, Yoda's from Star Wars. (laughs) I'm hearing who's Yoda. He was a wise, a wise dude from Star Wars who, who shared wisdom with 
people in Star Wars. Jesus, what he's saying is, not only do I care about what you do, I care about what you think. And we're going to get into this in the following passages. Pastor Blaine's going to preach next week on, on lust. I care not only about what you do, I care about what you think. And so how do we deal, how do we deal with that? There are times where maybe we are angry with someone and then we think, oh, just, uh, maybe you've said this before in the past. I wish that person was dead. I wish that person would just be gone. Anger can just take control of our words. Anger can destroy lives, marriages. If I lash out in anger today and do some sort of crime, I can be put away for the rest of my life just because I've let anger come. See, he's talking about murder. Well, it begins with anger. Anger, that seed within us, we all have it. I was talking to Don Taylor this week, having a conversation, telling him what I'm preaching on. And he said, you know, Andrew, when I became a police officer, I wanted to be on the good side, good guys versus bad guys. And he learned quickly that those lines are really blurred when you get into it and you learn people's stories. He sat across from sex, sex offenders and murderers and stuff and asked them, why did you do this? And you know, it started with lust. It started with anger against my dad. And it progresses. And he's sitting there and he's thinking, I, I have these things in my own life and we can think the same things. We all have that, that hulk inside us. It's what we do with it though. You know, our hearts, our hearts are messed up. The dark places, we can't trust our heart, the word, Lord, the, God, the word says. Jesus wants a thorough recreation of it. You know, if you were to go home and read the Sermon on the Mount, it would take you about 15 minutes, but look at all the things that Jesus covers about the heart, about what we think, about what we do. You know, and, I, and I've realized that conflict is not a bad thing. Just leave it up for a second. Conflict's not a bad thing. I think we think that. Conflict, we don't want conflict. We want to run away from it. Do you know what? Conflict actually gives us, as followers of Jesus, the opportunity to show Christ. I've been in a lot of conflicts in workplaces in the past. And it actually gives us an opportunity to show Christ. How we respond to anger. People in this world see that. And they say, how can you, how can you not just lose it on that person? Because I have Jesus within me. See, we've been trained as Christians to disarm the situation. My dad used to be RCMP and he worked with the emergency response teams. They're trained to go in. When everybody's running out, they go in. Bomb squads, they go in. That's what we're, we are the people of Christ. We're trained to go into conflict, not to run from it, not to talk behind other people's back. We're trained to go into it and face it with peace and with calmness and with the Lord's help. We've been trained to do that. You know, even things that I've been thinking about in my own life is just sometimes we have an issue with someone and we're angry at someone. So we get down with, we sit down with someone else and say, oh, I'm so angry with this person. I just need to vent. I just need to get this out. And I've been challenged through this passage to be like, no, I should go to that person that I'm angry with because that can turn into gossip. And that can turn into all sorts of other things. And this is what I've been thinking about. I think we need to think about how we deal with that. We live in a town of interconnected web of relationships, don't we? 
Some of you work together at the school and live beside each other. It's a very unique situation we're in here. And more the importance of dealing with things when we have anger issues with each other. There are issues we know in our town between people that need to be forgiven and dealt with. Maybe someone right here in this place right now you are angry with. Maybe someone who's at the church down the street. We are all pretty good at putting up the fronts, but we need to realize to reconcile with that person today. Earlier on in the sermon, Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. That's how he almost begins the Sermon on the Mount. We're called to be peacemakers, not to stir up dissension and let our anger take control of us. So how do we deal with our anger? Reconciliation, we've already said. Make things right quickly. Don't let, don't let your anger just stew inside of you and lead to sin. Don't let your, the sun go down in your anger. One of the things I learned in marriage first, when I first got married is don't go to bed angry together. Deal with that. And so here's this phrase I have on the screen. This is a phrase which I believe will help us a lot to work through reconciliation. And if you have these conversations today or in the coming days, I encourage you to use this phrase. Will you forgive me for? Not will you forgive me for, but you did this. Or have subtle ways. No, just will you forgive me for saying this? Will you forgive me for talking behind your back? Will you forgive me for whatever it may be? And then in that, you are making peace And the person may not reciprocate it, but you are still dealing with your anger in a proper way. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom. When that warning system kicks in, to go to prayer and ask the Lord for help on how to deal with anger. Take every thought captive. This is a thought thing. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. He's telling us to deal with our anger. When those thoughts come, Lord, help me deal with this anger. When I'm getting frustrated at my kids and I want to just blow up, Lord, help me have calmness, help me have peace, help me talk this through, walk away, but resolve it. And as I already mentioned, watch how we do vent to people at times because maybe you should, the Lord actually wants you to deal with that person, not have gossip spread through prayer requests in different ways. You should actually probably deal with the person you have anger Book of Proverbs, just a few Proverbs that talk about anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer. A wrathful man stirs up discord, but one slow to anger calms strife. Proverbs 15.18. Do not strive with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. This is wisdom that the Lord has given us. So the challenge for you today, for us today, for all of us, is recognizing we, we have anger. If we think that we are just good Christians and anger doesn't even live within us, that's, that's not true. It's, it's what we do with it. And the Lord will help us reconcile. He'll give us words. He'll give us strength. He'll give us wisdom. And we'll be truly living out what he wants us to do. And as we have the table before us today, what better opportunity to talk about reconciliation? Jesus died so that we can be reconciled to him and be examples of peacemakers in this world. He died for us even though we are angry, sinful people. He knows that. He wants us to live in peace with each other 
love each other as he's loved us and shown us when he died on the cross for our sins as we're going to remember today. He, he, he died for our anger. He gave his life for our anger so we can be reconciled to him. When he died on the cross, he knew all the angry thoughts you're going to have. That's mind-blowing. But he did. He knows them right now. He can see in our hearts. And so we want to come to the table today. And I want to tell you today, as we've already talked about, if you feel the Lord speaking to you today that you have something you need to deal with with somebody, maybe you need to abstain from communion today until you deal with that. As he's talking about leaving, coming with your gift, you need to, to look at your heart and examine it and say, okay, is there someone from my past, my dad, my mom, my kids? So that is what the scripture is saying. So I'll tell you today, if you feel like, no, I'm, I'm angry with someone, then you can abstain from the Lord's Supper today. Deal with that and come again next time we do it with a clean heart, knowing that the Lord has worked in that situation and give him praise through that. So as I said, it's a challenging word today, isn't it? To think about how do we deal with this. We think a lot about murder. We hear about murders and it's terrible. Sin is just as, sorry, anger is just as terrible. So ask that the Lord will lead us in how to deal with this so it doesn't blow up on somebody causing catastrophe, causing damage and pain because anger hurts many when it comes out. So I want to invite those who are going to be helping us with communion to come forward here. And we're going to come to this table today and as I said, we're going to take a few moments to think and if that is something, then take that seriously that you need to deal with that before you come to the Lord's table. That's, that's the word of God. That's what Jesus' words are in the sermon to make things right. You know, Jesus took the most brutal torture for us out of love. For us messed up, hearted people that he willingly took terrible punishment when he was sinless and we were sinful. And so as we are going to partake of this bread, just remember his body that was, that was beaten, that was bruised. He was mocked and whipped, crown of thorns. That, that body, his body was broken so that we can be reconciled to him. So that we don't have to be angry people anymore. That when it comes, we know how to deal with it because he has trained us because he's given us his peace. Let's just pray for the bread. We'll just take a few moments here to reflect and then I'll just pray for the bread.